My, my childhood is flashing before my eyes right now. Oh, yeah. People, people, me, and the Tash would say thank, thank you for being a friend. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, can you remember all four of their names? The Golden Girls? Oh, yeah. There's Rose, Dorothy, Blanche, and... Uh, Rose was the was the mom, right? No, Rose was Betty White. Okay. And Dorothy was uh, oh, I forget her name, but the B- woman B. Arthur. B. Arthur. Maud. I was yep. going to say. Yep. And then Rue McClanahan was Blanche. Was Blanche and Estelle Getty was Sophia. 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 Yes, we were just actually talking about that at uh, Micah's soccer game with uh, uh, yeah. a couple people. That's a show I am not at all embarrassed to say, even as like a 10-year-old kid, I loved watching that show. My brother and I watched it with our grandmother all the time. That was hilarious. We'd go over her house and watch Golden Girls. One of the best theme songs ever. Yep. Yep. Good one. That's a good one. Well, welcome everybody to uh, Rob and Joel's podcast of... We make the road by walking. Uh, we are on chapter nine in Brian McLaren's book. Uh, the title of this chapter is Freedom, where we dive into uh, the beginning of the Exodus story. Yep. And so where we are in the story of the Bible, um, we have just left Genesis, and Genesis ends um, <clears throat> with uh, Jacob and his family residing in Egypt. And we fast forward a few generations, and um, uh, Joseph, Jacob's father, and his uh, brothers have have all died, but their generations, their families have lived on. Um, multiplied. And, yep. And they have multiplied, and they now are living in Egypt. Um, and uh, Pharaoh sees that there are many of them, um, that they actually outnumber the Egyptians. And so... Um, Pharaoh decides to um, put them into slavery. Uh, and then we wake, make our way into the story of Moses. So, what do you like about, what first jumps out of you at the scripture? So the scripture is Exodus chapter 1, which is the story of Moses being born um, and uh, being sent down um, uh, the Nile River um, to be saved and taken in by a midwife of um, a daughter of Pharaoh, mm-hmm. raised as um, Egyptian royalty, um, eventually sees um, sees uh, one of his fellow Hebrews being mistreated poorly as he after he grows up, kills that. Yeah, he sees um, an Egyptian beating up an Israelite. And yes, he goes yes. and kills the Egyptian. Kills the Egyptian. Yep, um, uh, and then later, um, a couple of Hebrew slaves notice that they note that he had killed the Egyptian. Pharaoh finds out, and he runs away, um, leaves Egypt, and heads for Midian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get into years later. Um, 
we'll get to it in a sec. But what do you, what stands out to you about this story? Just from the scriptures before we get to... Chapter 3, so Exodus 1. We're not in chapter 3 yet where God comes calling. Yes. Uh, Well, the identity crisis that Moses is in. You Mm -hmm. know, he's raised in the the Egyptian royal household. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, he knows he's not an Egyptian pureblood. Yep. I never actually understood if he knew he was Israelite or, or not. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Exodus isn't in, entirely clear on that. Uh, the mother, or, or Pharaoh's daughter, picks him up out of the river and knows it must be an Israelite boy. Yeah. Um, but is Moses raised with that knowledge? You know, the story doesn't say it that doesn't at all. clarify that. And nope. so, but clearly, by the time we reach the point where Moses is infuriated when he sees an Egyptian beat up an Israelite slave, I mean, it's very revealing of an identity crisis within and of mm-hmm. a. If it hadn't happened already, a shifting loyalty. Yes. You yeah. know, a shifting identity, mm-hmm. which I think would be really, really hard. Uh, if he didn't already know it, to move from royalty, the family that is leading the oppression, to identifying as the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that segues into, I think, a phenomenal point that Brian makes uh, towards the end of the chapter mm-hmm. on what it means to move from slavery to freedom. Mm-hmm. He talks about the path. Well, we'll get into that a little bit more later. Yeah. Don't want to jump. Yep. Jump there quite yet, but yep. um, yeah. Yeah, I and McLaren brings this up, but I um I've always been interested in the aspect of he he sticks up for his Hebrew brethren, kills the Egyptian, and then a day later, a couple of days later, two Hebrews Remind him of that. Mm-hmm. and Well, two Hebrews were fighting each other now. Yes. So clearly Moses has this peacemaking bone. Well, how yes. much of it is peacemaking when he killed the e- Egyptian? But he went to break up a fight between he, them. He tries to break it up, and they make a comment of, what, are you going to go and kill us now? But And McLaren makes this comment, too, of he has, in that moment, he has no home in terms of identity. He's already kind of uh, shut the door on his... Egyptian identity, and then he gets the same door shut with his Hebrew identity. Yeah. And then just says, I'm out of here. He's not trusted by anybody. And runs. No. He's, he's got, not wanted by anybody. No. No. He's got well, nowhere and, to go. And, and it might sound strange, but um, the Hebrews, for Moses' entire life up to that point, had viewed him as an Israelite oppressor. Mm-hmm. He was part of the royal family that was leading the way of the Israelites' oppression. Yeah. So it, it the story reads that almost, I think, in a way like, well, gosh, why did the those slaves reject Moses' help? Yeah. But, I mean, every single day of Moses' life preceding that, at least in the Hebrews' eyes, yeah. he had been on the other side. Yeah. Did you ever see the animated movie, um, The Prince of Egypt? No. No. Um, Did that, you? Yeah, yeah. It's actually pretty good. It came out, I'm guessing, I don't know, 90s, mid, late 90s, something like that. But I never. they do a good job of, of talking about um, his uh, Egyptian 
the Egyptian royalty that he grew up in. Mm-hmm. Which, reading the story when I was younger, they just quickly skip that. He grew up in, yeah, basically you know? all, all we're told is he grew up in Pharaoh's household. Yeah. That's yeah. all we're told. Yeah. And so just reading the story as a kid, um, it never kind of clicked to me that he grew up um, as royalty and in a place of power. Because uh, the rest of the story is about him essentially fighting against mm-hmm. uh, Egyptian power. And so that, that helped me to kind of go, oh, yeah, he grew mm-hmm. up. As the title says, a prince of Egypt. He grew up, um, and I think in the movie, he is um, his brother is uh, becomes Pharaoh in, in in the movie. So he's so as he goes back to Pharaoh to challenge um, uh, him, uh, he's known Pharaoh his whole life. They've been essentially best friends their whole life, which just adds to. The, the yeah, I'm not sure if it would be the f- brother historic, like just the way the households would work, right? Mm-hmm. But it was certainly family, yeah, cousin, yeah, second cousin, yeah, uncle, sure. Um, yeah, he well, the, when he the pharaoh he goes back to confront is unequivocally someone he used to consider yes. family. Yes, and it adds even a better story in the Prince of Egypt. For for him to be his childhood brother, yeah, I mean, it just adds yeah. a lot to the story. Yeah, you know? a- adds more depth to it. That's a that's it a is Hollywood a, leap, though. It is a Hollywood <laughs> leap, absolutely. Yep. So um, so so Moses goes to um, this area called Midian, mm-hmm. um, and um, eventually. Just to confirm, you'd like to call Marion lower? <laughs> <laughs> no. So that was Surrey going on. Wait, on my that phone. was who? Surrey? Isn't it Surrey? No, it's not Surrey. What is it? Siri. 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 Like okay. Surrey with a what's that song from uh, the musical Surrey with the fringe on top? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Like a Surrey, like a So like Siri S- just said, <laughs> Do you wanna call Miss Lore, which is which is my son's kindergarten teacher. Her name is Miriam. Marianne. Yeah. Oh, Marianne. Yes, yes, Marianne. That's what yeah, I heard. That's the Siri heard you say, yeah. Always listening. Isn't that interesting? My phone is over there in the corner, not touching it. I'm always I'm glad you got listening. prepared enough to turn your phone off for this, Joel. That's awesome. <laughs> I shouldn't need to turn it off. Great. It's the the buzzer is on mute. We are so off topic right the now. The buzzer's on mute. Yeah, sorry about that. All right, so where are we in the story? He's in Midian. Yep. Uh, and uh, I rereading the story, mm-hmm. uh, I had forgotten about the way in which Moses um, stands up for yes, me too. The women at the well, me too. And just further, you know, it, it's one more step along the way of Moses, yes, uh, yep. realizing he just cannot stand for injustice. Yes. Yep. Yep. Totally missed that too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but friends, uh, was it Jethro? No, that was, was Jacob, right? Oh gosh. Okay. This was, uh, I forget his name. Raul, maybe. Okay. I, I don't think it was Raul. <laughs> <laughs> Pablo. I don't think it was. Uh, Anyways. Jacques. Um, ends up marrying, um, one of his, his daughters. Yep. Is out, um, uh, tending sheep. And runs into this burning bush. One of my favorite sections of scripture 
is this story right here. And the, the burning bush, bush story? Yes. Yeah. What, what makes it one of your favorites? Uh, so I think there's just... There's so much mystery around this story and and who God is in this story. Um, before, in, in, in Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, we have the creator God, and in chapter 2, it describes God walking with Adam and Eve. And now God is in the form of this burning bush. That's not burning that up. cannot be consumed. Um, and, and then... When Moses asks, who are you, the I am who I am statement um, uh, is befuddling and just wonderful at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can't place this God in a box. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, um, There is no way of kind of fully understanding Mm-hmm. who this God is. There will always be this sense of mystery. I will not let you name to me. this God. And I, for me personally, I find comfort in, mm-hmm. in that. God is so much bigger. Yes. Always bigger. And even when I take a step and kind of go, Hmm, make a statement of faith in some ways, it, it just leads to all to new questions mm-hmm. and wonderings about mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I thought, and also the aspect of standing on holy ground, um, mm. that, uh, um, uh, God says to Moses, take off, take your, off sandals. your sandals, you were standing on holy ground. And so, um, uh, that idea of, of where is God in the world? How is God present? Um, it breaks us out of the, as a kid, it was, where is God? God was somewhere in the sanctuary at my church. That's where God was. That was God's home, hmm. right? That's how I saw God, if I had to name a location for God. And this story um, kind of, I think, blows that open and sees um, holy ground and places where God is present um, out in the world, absolutely in worship with us and absolutely in in sacred spaces, but... Um, uh, in the family dining room, in well, the soup kitchen, and the exactly. I think the story invites us to ask the question of when are we standing on holy ground? When are we getting a sense of um, of this God? And um, well, so here's the question, though, coming from a reform perspective, as we do, you know, is and going back to the creation story where you say, you pointed out Richard Rohr's phenomenal quote that mm-hmm. creation is the first incarnation. Yeah. You know, is not all ground holy ground. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's what this story is 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 pointing to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you like about uh, Exodus chapter 3? Well, I love the I am who I am, I will be, I will be. Mm-hmm. Um it might it might be helpful for folks just to to understand that everywhere in your English translation Bible that you read the Lord with capital mm-hmm. L capital O capital R capital D, the original Hebrew text actually has there Yahweh mm-hmm. or I am who I am or I will be 
who I will be. But in Hebrew tradition, uh, that name is too sacred to read aloud. Mm-hmm. So they yep. would translate it as Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for Lord. Yep. So Yahweh, the, the name Yahweh appears all over Hebrew scripture. Yeah. But in our English Bibles, you know, all over, all over the Old Testament, Yahweh's name is there in the Hebrew. But our English Bibles yes. don't convey that. Everywhere it's the Lord, where all the letters are capitalized. Yes. That's I am who I am. So, so I am who I am, saith unto the, you know, yeah. uh, I don't know why I just said saith, King James Version. Yeah, but really um, went there. But, you know, I mean, so this name in chapter 3 truly does define yes. the relationship between Moses and Israel and the God of Moses and Israel yes. with this name, I am who I am. Yeah. It seems like it ends here in chapter 3, never to be heard from again. But that's only because our English translations translate I am who I am as yes. the Lord. Yahweh becomes the name right. of the Hebrew God. Right. Yes. And during this time, that is in, in, a, in a multi-religious kind of world... Um, this differentiates their God mm-hmm. from their neighboring tribes. Yes. Yep. They're singular God for their mm-hmm. neighboring tribes, many gods. Exactly. Yeah. So chapter three, I, I, I absolutely love the story of the burning bush as well. Um, and I'm always, you know, in these kind of stories, I'm all same thing with Abraham. I'm always impressed that, that the people get, get up and follow. I mean, mm-hmm. it, ta- it, it takes a heck of a lot of faith, a heck of a lot of chutzpah, right? Mm-hmm. To go back as one person, you know, it, the, the text yeah. says he has his brother for backup. Yeah. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's Aaron and Moses, and we learned that Miriam, uh, their sister, also joins them. Yeah. Goes back and confronts Pharaoh and Pharaoh's entire system of oppression. Yep. Uh, and all the weapons he has. And, of course, he has God on his side. But still, to do that, that is cuckoo bananas. Which makes sense that, that Moses pushes back against it at first. Yeah. And well, says, what are you asking me to do? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be ridiculous not to. Yep. So what did you like from McLaren's chapter? What stood out to you? What... Um, provoked, think, disturbed, challenged, encouraged, warmed, warned, helped, surprised you? Uh, I I liked a lot of, I mean, I, I always like his chapters. We, we clearly like the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he has already been setting up the way in which the Hebrew scripture is pushing, pushing theology forward, even in that time. So yeah. this is... It's hard for us to read from our 21st century vantage point, but this is radical in that this is a story in which God is making no bones about it. Slavery is bad. Yep. Sla- and slavery God, and oppression is not my intention for anyone. Yep. And God is on the side of the oppressed. God is always as on the side to of the, the oppressor. oppressor. Yes. And that's. Brian does a really good job of lifting that up, mm-hmm. and I think it's. I think we can't overstate how radical. Yep. How radical that that theology was for that day, mm-hmm. because slavery was simply built 
into the woodwork. It was part of the economy. It was it was impossible for people to see a world in which slavery didn't mm-hmm. exist. Yep. Yep. Um, and here is is our first scriptural witness of God standing up and saying no. Mm-hmm. I also really loved um, how he then uses that. It's in the one, two, three, four, fifth paragraph on page 38. Um, through that journey, um, we realize that, you know, the, the Exodus is a powerful witness to the fact that things improve and then things get worse. Yeah. Uh, he says, you know, you're not going to get your happy ending in 30 minutes. I love right? that That's a fantastic paragraph. Yes. Um, instead, we discover the presence of God with us in our troubles, helping us deal with them, helping us discover solutions to them, yes. helping us deal with the new problems inevitably created by those solutions and so on. And I'm like, yes. amen. Welcome to life here. This is now. it. Yeah. This is it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the the solution to one problem will almost inevitably yeah. lead to some other problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, we live in a broken world filled with broken people. Yeah. And until we don't, we're not going to have complete and utter fulfillment. Yep. Or redemption. I... I love the paragraph right after that, where he says, we're all like Moses in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We have choices to make, who will become, whose side we'll stand on, whether we'll give up after our failures and frustrations, whether we'll have the faith to get up and keep moving forward when we sense God's call. Life may not be easy, but it sure can be an exciting <laughs> path to walk if we go through life with God. Amen. Yep. And what I love about that is it's an example of, of how I am... Uh, uh, reading the Bible these days often, of seeing these characters and not just looking at them and saying, oh, look what they did and how amazing they are uh, and how faithful they were, and then turn the page and read the next story. But instead... um, so just so we know, Rob's making a very interesting face at me right now. I just wanted to see if you could uh, <laughs> could keep character. So I can't keep character. That's, That's why, why I'm stopping. <laughs> <laughs> so what I like what, what, what Brian says is uh, these um, Moses becomes a, a stand-in for the journey of faith, mm-hmm. so that we we look at him and see this is the risk and the courage that he took to um, take this step of faith. And instead of saying, wow, look at him and what he did, the invitation for us is to do the same. It is. And it's and that can be terrifying. Yes. You know, to, yeah. to I mean, I wouldn't have the chutzpah to go and confront, you know, today's Pharaoh with, to, with Pharaoh's army today. Sure. Myself and my brother. I love my brother. Sure. I'm bigger than my brother. I'm not, <laughs> right. You know, right. But I, but even the invitation is not to do exactly what Moses no, did. I, I know what you're saying. The I, invitation is to, and he gets into that in the second paragraph on page 39. And I have written next to part of it, just the word. Wow. Um, the section on, uh, Passover. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he connects communion, you know, the Christian celebration of Jesus last supper with disciples where we break bread and, 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 and share a cup. Um, 
different traditions do it different way, but we yep. call it Eucharist, Last Supper, Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. communion. Mm-hmm. That is um, directly connected into the Hebrew uh, Passover celebration. Yep. And uh, if you want to dig into Passover, actually go read... Um, Go read the, you know, well, it's, we're going to get into it, but mm-hmm. uh, Exodus uh, details the plagues and everything yeah, like it's that. It's coming up and, in a few chapters. And I had never put together just how, and he does it so well, the direct connection between just simply participating in this act of remembrance mm-hmm. is laying claim that you reject the slave owning, the, 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 economically oppressive the the in or unjust systems of the day yeah and you are seeking to participate in god's movement to where justice rolled that rolls down like mountains yep well said uh, he does a great job of taking theological uh concepts like passover and communion that could sometimes be way up in the sky mm-hmm. and bringing them right down that didn't mean like a Like a punch in the face. Because we Presbyterians are pretty infamous for this. Mm -hmm. We we get pretty darn ethereal. Absolutely. And this is no. This is about about participation in a movement of justice. And so then one of the questions um, that I was asking myself is what are the most unjust systems? I think he asked, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, name the Hebrew slaves of today's world. Mm -hmm. You know? Yep. And there are sadly so many. Yep. And you and I, as white middle class males, mm-hmm. right? We've had this kind of privileged mm-hmm. existence in our society, and while we have faced pains and heartache and obstacles, mm-hmm. uh, we've never been rejected because of our orientation. We've never been um, oppressed or denied because of our faith or our race or the language we speak or the citizenship card that we carry. Yep. Absolutely. I'm going to read these last couple sentences by him, which I think are uh, fantastic and a great way to begin to wrap up today's podcast. Uh, As we get ready for communion... On Sunday, by participating in that meal, we are making the same choice Moses made and that same choice Jesus made to join God in the ongoing struggle to be free Mm. and to set others free. That's what it means to be alive in God's story of creation and nonviolent liberation. It's a road into the wild, a road we make by walking. Amen. Amen. So you can find us on Facebook at Towson Press. Yep, at Towson Press and Instagram. Instagram at Towson, at Towson Press. Press. We just got that going. Yeah, we'd love to welcome you for worship. If you haven't joined us, we mm-hmm. worship at 8.30 and 10 uh, Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, check us out on TowsonPress.org as well. He's Joel. I'm Rob. We'll see you next time.